Hello, I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tana. And welcome to the 905er. There's big news in Hamilton this week. Once again, the infamous light rail transit project has been put back on the front pages. This city project has been debated on for just over a decade in Hamilton city politics. Careers and reputations have been made based on which side of the argument a politician has stood. This seems to be the issue that will never go away. Although that may have changed. This past week, the federal government announced that they would be funding the project for $1.7 billion combined with provincial funding to actually build the LRT. That's as long as Hamilton picks up the cost of the operating system. There now seems to be an actual plan to get this project completed. All that's left is for Hamilton City Council to vote and approve the go-ahead. However, this is Hamilton, and nothing is that simple. Why is it that this amazing news for a major infrastructure project, that there still seems to be a cloud of uncertainty hanging over the LRT? To answer that, we invited Laura Babcock onto the podcast to enlighten us. Laura is well-known in Hamilton. She's the owner of Power Group Communications, a PR firm here in Hamilton, and a media contributor on current affairs nationally and the host of The O Show. In addition, she's an advocate for the LRT project in Hamilton. Laura joins us to share her expertise and insight into why this project is not only important for the city, but as well why the city has been unable to move forward on it, despite other municipalities in Ontario being able to build LRT systems of their own. Today, we dive into the nitty-gritty of Hamilton City politics. Have a listen. I would like to thank Laura Babcock for taking time out of her busy schedule to come and join us today to talk about the biggest news in Hamilton, it seems currently, is the Hamilton LRT funding update from the federal government. Big, I mean, huge huge news right now. I think anybody in Hamilton, this is what you're talking about around the dinner table or around the, the, the conference table in Hamilton. Um Rather than me clumsily trying to summarize it, Laura, why don't you just bring all of our listeners up to speed on what the latest development is for the Hamilton LRT uh, project to date? A $3.4 billion, with a B, investment commitment from the federal government, from the federal liberal government. And the reason why that is so significant is that a few years ago, the Wynn government provincially had said that they would do a billion dollars funding towards the LRT. And then not only did that uh, continue to be a source of contention in Hamilton about who would pay between, you know, a billion wasn't going to be enough at the end of the day, what are the operating costs versus the capital investment, et cetera, et cetera. There was another mayoral election on the very issue that making it at least the second one. Uh, and, uh, and then, of course, Ford came in as the provincial premier and scrapped the project. So this is the latest iteration in at least I'm thinking a 12 year saga. And I, and I will stipulate off the top way back at the beginning, the city of Hamilton hired my firm to produce a video. Uh, this is when Fred Eisenberger was mayor, Fred 1.0. And, uh, and we did a video on all of the rationale for the LRT, the environmental benefits, all the public support. I remember we put in newspapers in the video and interviewed all the proponents. And uh, it was uh, happy times way back then. And then it got literally off the rails. And there's lots of reasons why it got off the rails over the last 12 years or so and 50 plus council votes that we can discuss. But the reason why this weekend was so significant is that not only was it a lot more money, closer to the true cost, at least for the capital piece, but also it wasn't 
open for debate, whether it would be BRT, bus rapid transit, or LRT, light rail transit. Uh, and that, of course, is going right to the heart of the contention here in Hamilton. And so the federal government was pretty much saying, this is how the money's coming, take it or leave it kind of vibe. Uh, and so, of course, now we've got council looking that very gift horse in the mouth very carefully. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is kind of like, if you're, if you're pro-LRT uh, in Hamilton, this is it. Like, this is what you've been waiting to hear is that no ifs, ands, or buts. Funding is there. Somebody's going to build it, and basically the cost of operating it because it it is a municipal uh, project, if you will. You know, be Hamilton Public Transit operating it, they would have to operate it. But the cost of building it is going to be borne on the backs of the federal government. So, I, I mean, if you're a pro LRT, this is a pretty sweet announcement for the, for you, isn't it? It's a huge deal. Uh, and I have been pro LRT as a commentator for years and host of my show here locally. But I've nowhere near been in the trenches as you as the Chamber of Commerce has or people like Ryan McGreal and, and Hamilton Light Rail and all the other groups that have fought so hard for this for so long. It's a huge announcement because what it does is essentially takes away the question of, well, is that money, that billion going to be enough for capital costs, right? Um, so it, it gets rid of that argument. It also says very clearly to council, guess what? This is clear now. This is not a billion dollar funding envelope like the province announced for transit project in Hamilton. This is for LRT specifically. And that's born of the fact that clearly McKenna understands uh, what has been keeping this project down for 12 years and the, the political divisiveness around it. So yeah, it's a huge win for LRT people. And you saw some of them taking that victory lap. However, I would also argue that there is a tremendous amount of trepidation because council has not said $3.4 billion. Woohoo! What a huge generational investment in Hamilton. Let's take it and go. Instead, as I mentioned, they are checking out every single tooth in that horse's <laughs> gift horse's mouth to see um, how they can protect themselves uh, for re-election, right? Which is often what plagues our city. It, I mean, we'll get into the, the details of, of, of why Hamilton seems to be so so cautious about 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 this project which seems for someone who doesn't live in outside outside who doesn't live in hamilton like a kind of a no-brainer um but just before we get into that i mean this is a a major change of direction for the provincial government isn't it it seemed that you know uh we almost had the shovels in the ground for the for the first lrt project it seemed that we'd finally got past the final the final kind of election on this issue and and uh, uh the pro lrt side won and then it was cancelled, uh, and all kinds of arguments were made about cost overruns and blah blah. blah. What is what has changed their minds so so radically that they are willing to not only put the LRT back in place but pony up a big bigger chunk of money than they probably were going to do in the first place. Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think the fact that so much work has been done on the project that you've got de you've got developers like Leona uh, who have been proactively pushing for this relentlessly because they've got they know that this is not about just the train. I mean, yes, high order transit's excellent. It's about the nodes. It's about the investment. It's about the buildings that are literally in design, if not already in construction on the promise of this project, right? So I think that um, what changed probably in the provincial perspective is the federal engagement and investment. If the feds are on board and they're going to put, I mean, it's a single tax dollar. We're all still paying for it. It doesn't matter, you know, who's giving it to us. Um, it's all our money. But when you have the, pro the federal government saying, no, actually, we've earmarked it for this 
specifically. You've already had all the work done on the line itself. Um, you know, it's it's been years that this is really, it might not have been shovels in the ground, but they've been making preparations and there's been investments and there's been business planning. And, you know, uh, for years I've talked to all my clients in Hamilton about this issue because they were looking at what it would mean for their business and their employees and possible, you know, in, uh, investments or developments or whatever. So it's a, it's a, investment in the future of the city economically, it is a huge win. And so I think that when you have the feds pony up, then the province, it's hard to say no, and it should be hard for council to say no, frankly. Um, let's, let's just get a bit into the weeds on this one, because I mean, the alternative that has been touted is we should have a bus rapid transit system in Hamilton instead of the light rail transit system. And essentially what you're doing is instead of building tracks going down uh, a, a dedicated route and having an electric uh, carriage, uh, uh, for better ter- better term, running along that trail, uh, you have a dedicated bus route. So buses would just be presumably speeding up and down another dedicated route. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what the difference is between a BRT and an LRT in terms of the outcomes. No, like I think like an LRT, it's less environmental impact because you don't have you know, diesel fumes spewing out the top of the of the train. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's you know you're you're you know where it's going and and you don't have and you can't the problem with the BRT but the a bus rapid transit system is that you can change the bus routes, which impacts you know as you were saying your economic development. A big part, chunk of this was meant to be an economic mm-hmm. shot in the arm. Maybe that's a bad turn of phrase in terms of vaccines, but <laughs> <laughs> the current the current state of affairs, but it's supposed to be a shot in the arm to uh, uh, Barton Street, the, the, the Barton Street mm-hmm. corridor to just kind of revitalize that neighborhood, which is in bad need of economic revitalization. So May, can you just give us, you know, as motions aside, just what is the difference here in, in terms of your outcomes between the two systems? Well, there's two systems and then there's two tracks, right? There's the A route and the B route. And one route was uh, the former mayor, Bob Bertina, who just today announced that he's not going to run again as a federal liberal MP because the liberal government is investing in LRT when he was pro-BRT and he likes a different route. So there's there's the one route, the other route, and then the length of the route, you know, is it truncated too soon? Does it not even meet Stony Creek? So there's issues around the route and the coverage of that route. There's also issues around the difference in the vehicles, right? So I'm no expert on the actual merits of the vehicles per se, but I am an expert in public relations. And I will tell you that having a light rail transit train, higher order transportation, the investment that that creates, the stability of that route, the, the, you know, the nodes that are going to develop around it and the spill off to the other communities is significant. I was doing a speech in Houston a couple of years ago, and I remember seeing the BRT zip up and I'm like, or the LRT. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. Like you get a sense of this is a city for the future. This is not a city left behind in the rubble. It's good for attracting talent to the city. It's good for keeping our kids here working in Hamilton because it means that we are a place on the move. So uh, is there are there merits to bus rapid transit? Sure, I think one of the merits is that councillors think that the bus rep investment could then extend out to their communities and make them look good in the election. A lot of people don't. The real issue, and and I'm sure we'll get into it. It's my last point here, is that. A lot of it is about the fact that it's a lot of money for downtown. And we live in a tale of two cities here in Hamilton, the mountain and downtown. And that's a whole other issue. I I was just going to make exactly that point, that 
you know, to what extent is this really not about um, whether councillors are pro or anti-LRT, it's about whether they want money spent in somebody else's ward or LRT. <laughs> um, and, and I think, I mean, that's a very depressing aspect of this whole picture. And, and I mean, I'm literally, and, and this is off the wall for the discussion today, but it's like literally starting to think if, you know, if LRT cannot get built, in essence, because of suburban councillors' votes, what, you know, should we be looking at, you know, de-amalgamation, uh, letting Hamilton uh, get back to uh, the situation <laughs> that, that it was before, where it can actually, the city, the central part of the city can actually decide its own affairs. Now, that's a complete side issue. Um, but <laughs> what, or, or maybe it isn't, feel free to comment, but... Um, well, I was just going to say that it's everything. The parochialism in Hamilton is is a massive, massive problem, whether it's area rating or the investment in LRT or anything else that we're trying to navigate as a city. Because uh, if you drive, you know, I'm always blown away that I almost have to get to the 401 on Highway 6 before I'm out of Hamilton, right? Like the African Lion Safari, I think, is in Hamilton. It's massive after amalgamation, right? And so the, the experiences of some people in Hamilton are closer to going to downtown Kitchener than they are to downtown Hamilton. So you can't blame people's post-amalgamation from not feeling the love for a city they hardly associate with. Um, but it's worse than that. It's not just suburban versus is downtown councillors, because some of the downtown councillors or close to downtown have been the biggest problems with LRT going forward. It has so much to do with what always is the issue in this city is how do I get reelected in four years? I mean, are some of our incumbents have been around since the 90s. It's insane. So are they ever looking at the big picture investment spell offs or are they always saying, what is Joe at Tim Hortons going to tell me on the weekend? Uh, and I think that's been a big part of our problem. Do you, I, mean, I don't want to go down a de-amalgamation rabbit hole, but do you think de-amalgamation should be on the on the radar at all? You know what? It's like when people say to me, should term limits be on the radar? You know, sure, always look at it. You know, new provincial governments will come in and they'll want their own ways of operating. It solves some problems, but it causes others, right? It, I mean, it's an, I don't think term limits are going to happen before October 24th, 2022, when we get to make some elections in this town. And I don't think de-amalgamation is anything reasonable in the short term. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a strategist. I like the long view, but I also like to actually make an impact uh, within the window that you have. And in Hamilton, the LRT question really is going to come down to can those parochial interests be be overcome by uh, the greater sense of investment. So there's going to be a lot of horse trading going on uh, that should have been done in the interim, by the way. I blame the mayor for that. He should have had these votes lined up before the announcement. But that's another story. Uh, I. I think it's important also to bring into this uh, conversation. It's not just Hamilton that has been having this debate. Uh, I know because I've seen it and it's amazing to see in, in, in use, but Kitchener Waterloo had this debate. Uh, I don't know the number, like almost a decade ago, over a decade ago, I think uh, about, and I'll be honest, I I'm a graduate of the university of Waterloo. So I know for a fact they were having this debate when I was in school there, they were talking about um, not necessarily light rail, but, you know, oh, we'll have a train, like a, a tourist train going from all the way from St. Jacob's and North Kitchener, Waterloo, all the way down. They wanted, at the time, they wanted to bring it all the way down to Cambridge. Uh, and that was too ambitious. But I mean, this, they figured it out. They have a great light rail transit system that is intended to hook up with St. Jacob's, which is a rural community. Tie, you know, you hook up uh, in the northern part of uh, Waterloo and you take this 
light rail transit all the way down into downtown Kitchener. It works. Uh, here in the 905, Hamilton is not unique in this debate. Mississauga uh, actually has both uh, 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 BRT and they're planning on an LRT running up the length of here, Ontario. Why is it that we have two municipalities of comparable size to Hamilton? They seem to have figured it out. It is working. You know, Hamilton, I'll be honest, Hamilton is not really a pioneer on this debate. <laughs> uh, yet Hamilton still seems to keep stumbling over itself to settle the question uh, whether they want to proceed this way or not. Like, mm -hmm. wh why is it so difficult just to come to a decision on this? Well, so I had clients on the LRT route in Kitchener. Uh, and of course, Ottawa also has LRT. I, I even oh, right, had, right, right, right. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> so this has been... Uh, Cities that want to progress and take investment money and create these investment opportunities go through the struggle of the LRT conversation. And I recall there were opponents to it in Ottawa and opponents to it in Kitchener-Waterloo. Uh, but what I also recall is that a critical time in the LRT discussion when, when Bob Bertina was mayor, and he'll correct me, I'm sure if I'm errant here, um, but he said on a radio show that he would not be the champion for LRT. And I remember feeling at the time or hearing at the time that the council, and I think it was Kitchener, actually kind of said, no, no, we will be the champion for the project, right? They, they sort of, there was a different level of leadership and commitment to it. Um, and again, I could be wrong. It's been a number of years. But why can't Hamilton have good things is the question, right? You know, what is it about our politic that doesn't let us advance? <laughs> And the answer simply is uh, leadership. Um, you know, I, I have had the privilege and at times the great consternation of working a lot with council over the last 25 years as a host of a show or on different city initiatives. And I know some of them personally, most of them um, I've had conversations with, if not all. And one of the things that um, you find in the city is the perspective on the city seems to be very narrow. And, uh, you know, it made me question at times if they ever even leave Hamilton and get to experience. When we did the sign in front of City Hall, the Time for Sign campaign, I did that and started that out of a frustration. I was traveling all over the province and I couldn't understand when I returned to mighty Hamilton, why we in one of the oldest, biggest, coolest cities in the country, why we had nothing that said, welcome to mighty Hamilton, other than a traffic and population sign, right? Um, so my point is this, is that when I talked to council about it, some of them weren't even aware that they didn't have something other places had. You know, there's a myopia here and there is a, mm -hmm. um, you know, an easy gig for incumbents in this town. If they just please their their local vocals in their neighborhood, they get back in over and over again. And so we get these opportunities as a city and LRT is not the first or the last where we do almost everything possible to keep ourselves from progressing and getting it. And mostly it's along the same battle lines. It's along the same value system with the same councillors who have been here for decades. So I really have to put it at the feet of the incumbents. Um, been here too long, too narrow a view, afraid of doing anything outside of their re-election considerations, and it has hurt us tremendously. There's been a lot of talk um, about the need for a change election in Hamilton uh, before LRT came back onto the table. Um, and I certainly feel there's there's a significant population who, who feel, you know, time for a change, as the cliche goes. Um, beyond that, I mean, we've seen today um, Bob Pratina, who's the federal MP for Stony Creek, um, 
uh, has, you know, in essence, come out very strongly against his own party here, um, which suggests, uh, as as you mentioned before we came on air, actually, it hadn't occurred to me. Uh, well, actually, you didn't mention, but we were discussing before we came on the air that you know maybe this is a precursor to to another mayoral run that he's going to use LRT as a way to get back to being mayor. Is that as big a disaster as I think it might be? In that you have a highly credible politician, um, kind of coming back against an unpopular mayor who's pro LRT. Um, so uh, uh, Eisenberg's kind of good characteristic, from my perspective at least, has been the kind of pro LRT aspect, and then a whole load of other not so wonderful aspects. Um, that this this kind of throws a real cat amongst the pigeons. Um, and, and leading off from that. Um, just how divided is the Liberal Party in Hamilton on this issue? Because we see multiple liberal, liberal connected people, Vito Scro, Bob Bettina now. Mm. Uh, I know that many of the candidates have run, whether they won or lost in the past, were, were anti-LRT at previous elections. Um, is, is Justin Trudeau and, and the federal government going to regret wading into this because they're going to suddenly find their own party kind of working against them? Oh, well, I, I would expect that would be a consideration they would have made, but they've got a powerhouse of Catherine McKenna, who was, you know, Harold's from Hamilton, so she knows the local politics. So when you've got a minister coming in, when you've got Philomena Tassi front and center in the announcement, you know, uh, politics is about power and the people who have the power, Trudeau's ear in cabinet access, et cetera, they're all for it. So the Vito Scrows, the Bob Bertinas can be as exercised as they want, but I don't think they're really relevant. What I think is important here is my living nightmare that just occurred to me this morning on the news that Bob Bertina was floating a trial balloon about running for mayor. Because if you look at the last two mayoral elections in the city, it has been about this bloody train. And I want the train, but I don't want our entire legislative system to be caught up in this infuriating debate. So we're in a situation last time, no matter what you thought of, of well, let's go back one time before, Brian McCaddy, progressive candidate, um, a former cabinet minister, Brad Clark, and you had um, Fred Eisenberger, all running, right? And LRT was the issue of the day eight years ago or whenever it was, 12, 10 years ago. And so you had um, Brad, who was pro-BRT. You had Brian, who was all LRT, all in. And you had, very cleverly, Fred saying, you know what? I'll ride the fence, get a citizen panel on it. He won. Four years later, LRT again. And so you have Vito Scro say, I'm against the train. No train, no train. And then people, whether they liked Fred or not, had to vote for him because they wanted the train and the investment. My nightmare is Bob Rettina comes in as the veto scroll only can make a real fight for it. And then progressives will have to vote for Fred Eisenberger again to keep the train or for Bob Rettina, who I did not think was a good mayor. And also we won't get the train. It's a nightmare. We need new leadership. Um, so let, let, I mean, let's, let's play the politics uh, game a bit here. Um, I, right now, I, I think I view it, it's on Fred's, shoulders to get the the ball or i guess it's in his hands to get the ball uh past the the uh the end zone into the end zone here um if you know like right now all eyes are focused on on hamilton city council what are they going to do next mm-hmm. um you know why why isn't fred eisberg just you know being being the mayor and saying you know putting some pressure on on his allies on council say we got to get this done i want this done you know, in the next few months, I want this brought to a vote. Let's get this done. Let's move it forward. Because if it's if it is done, then it's done. Like, what is Bob Bertina or Vito Scro or whomever, or some somebody out of left field coming in and saying, 
oh, I'm, I'm going to be the candidate who's going to completely reverse the effort done. The money, the money that council will have dedicated or have spent already on getting this project up and running because it, it that's what happens. Are you going to have a, you know, is somebody going to say, no, I want to undo the decision already done and all the money and all the effort that's been done on it. Da, 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 da. So I'm wondering like, like, does Fred just have to just take it and actually like expel some political capital to get this done? Well, you know, in the past, certainly mayors would have had votes lined up on an issue this critical. They would have worked and triangulated and leveraged and horse traded and exerted pressure. Uh, I have not seen Fred possessing that particular strength in leadership. Um, and also, you know, I why doesn't Fred do many things that you would expect for a leader? He almost puts himself into the role of placeholder. And so do we have a strong mayor? I do not think we do. I also think that because of Sewergate and the Red Hill investigation, he shouldn't be the mayor again. Um, so on this particular file, was he using the time between the, the total mess up around the provincial announcement? It was a total disaster. Um, did he take any heat for that? No, but he should have. He should have been paying closer attention to the winds that were blowing at Queen's Park. In the interim, has he spent all of his capital, whatever he has, trying to get his colleagues lined up for this? It doesn't look like it, because I'm hearing the exact same arguments from the anti-LRT people out in the suburbs. I'm hearing the same, oh, I don't know, BRT's better from some of the longstanding incumbent councillors. It doesn't seem like the argument has moved at all. So it makes me wonder, has he done anything in the interim? <laughs> or is he hoping the feds are going to save this? That's my best answer. I don't know what he does. Two, two, I'm going to put it two, two more, more quick questions on kind of arising from that uh, first one just going back to what you said about the kind of parochialism of Hamilton politics which is I think is absolutely a huge huge part of this and a huge problem uh, you know there are I mean it's a general political malaise not just in Hamilton but I think particularly bad in Hamilton that when political debates come forward they are treated as if it's as if Hamilton is the first city in the world to have an LRT it's like oh there's two places within spitting distance another one in ontario there are 700 odd cities uh in the world that have lrts uh and you know if you list some of the better cities in the world they tend to be the ones that have the lrts and, and the number of cities that regret getting rid of of, of you know uh, streetcars even even though that is a far less um even though what we're basically seeing in toronto right now is a move from streetcars to lrt uh, uh mm-hmm. You know, those cities that kept them in the sort of 50s and 60s are so glad now that they did. You know, no one's arguing that they're going to get rid of them or replace them with buses anymore. Um, that short-sightedness is just... What is it about Hamilton? I mean, we had this a similar debate with when we were discussing the, the Tim Hortons field move from Ivor Wynn. And it's like, well, you know, we have this <laughs> wonderful lake. Uh, we have all these possibilities about a place, you know, you, you think of San Francisco with their stadium on, on, on the, you know, on the sea, on the bay there, uh, or what a wonderful place to have a stadium. Uh, and you end up putting it right back where it was before, where there's no parking <laughs> and no transit. <laughs> um, hopefully there will be transit one day. Um, what is it about Hamilton? I mean, it's a, such an open leading question that's not particularly helpful, but perhaps you have some inspiration that I don't have about why Hamilton suffers from this so much. Well, I have a theory. <laughs> and can I just say, you don't like the fact that they moved it 90 degrees? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that made all the difference. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, my theory is this. 
that, uh, and I say this because I moved to Hamilton right when it was seemed like the worst of the worst of the recession, when, you know, the, the front page of the spec was that this company shut down, this factory left, it was bad times. And I couldn't understand from the beginning, and I ended up getting a political talk show within a month or two of being here. Um, I didn't understand from the beginning why a city with the topography it has, the location it has, the natural assets it has, the history, the old bones downtown, or the cool buildings. I came from Montreal and Winnipeg and Toronto and, and Windsor and all the other places I've lived. And I was like, why on earth is Hamilton so down on itself? This city is killer, right? I knew nothing about it. Literally, I didn't know anything about the city. The first time I saw it was coming down the 403, which is a beautiful view, right? Yeah. It looks like it rises out of the woods. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Um, and so what I started to realize was that hearts had been broken. Hearts were broken from the days when Hamilton was in its heyday and subsequent political leadership that raised the downtown, all the old buildings and cementified it and, and made tons of bad decisions. People got to a place of such absolute cynicism and heartbreak that they thought it will never be that way again. There'll never be thousands and thousands of great steel jobs. There'll never be these stores downtown that are lit up during the holidays and all this stuff. And so this nostalgic romanticism about Hamilton led to a sense of, you know, screw it. There's no point in engaging. There's no point in trying. We can't have good things because we don't deserve it. A giant chip on the shoulder that is heartbreaking for me, mm -hmm. you know, not just because I'm in PR, but because I don't believe that it is, I don't believe Hamilton is limited, yeah. right? Um, but that particular chip and heartbreak can be exploited by cynical incumbents who know that people will not fight for something that they don't think they deserve. And so they keep accepting this mediocrity and this garbage leadership that we're getting out of this council and they think well you know what we were never going to get a nice thing anyway we don't deserve that train anyway why should we like it's so so as long as the people of Hamilton and I'm glad to see young people I know young leaders don't buy into this nonsense but as long as there's a, a whole bunch of people in Hamilton who don't think we deserve better we and we've got cynical politicians who won't try for better because they know they can easily come back in just just you know playing that card we are going to be stuck with the game that we've got. And so I, I'm hoping we switch the cards and I'm hoping that we switch people's feelings about the city. I, I just want to touch upon what something you just said there, Laura, that, um, cause I, I, I agree. I, I'm with, I've lived in Burlington most of my life. So I kind of get to be the, uh, the, the guy looking in the win the shop window and I get to critique uh, how the display is, is going, uh, with Hamilton. And the one thing about the city is that it's, it does, it, it shouldn't be this way. As somebody who's looking, who's outside looking in, I look at it and I say, "You've got a world class university with McMaster, yeah. uh, a world, a phenomenal college with Mohawk up on the mountain. Mm -hmm. You have an educated uh, young workforce. Uh, I don't want to say workforce. I want to say like you know entrepreneurs, just just young people that are hungry to make a change in your literally in your backyard. Um, you have a great history, a great culture of." Uh, and a very diverse community. I mean, you have walk, you can, you have different neighborhoods of just very, you know, the Croatians, Italian, of course, mm -hmm. uh, uh, East Indian, just, a, a, it's a very multicultural city. And on paper, they'd be like, well, that's a formula for success. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a matter of like the, the old guard literally has to die off. And I, that might sound a little um, morbid uh, to listeners, but, you know, it might just be a matter of the, the old guard has to die off because we've had, Roland and I had on, uh, students from uh, 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 Hamilton students speak up, and you could tell that there's this hunger for change. 
you know, we're not going to, we're not going to sit down and take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered what happens when you give them economic power? When, what happens when you, when you say it's yours now, what are you going to do with it? And I always wonder, like LRT is not going to be the, 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 the save, save it all solution, but, but steel is not coming back in Hamilton. It is, it is a done industry. It's being shipped off to China. It's not coming back. But I always wonder, like, why, why is there not a push to bring in your, your like biotech, mm-hmm. um, electric vehicle manufacturing? Cause you have the, you have the, the, the port right there. You can literally like build a, build a Tesla or whatever other e-car you want. And just like roll it onto a ship and ship it off to, uh, to America or wherever. Like it's, it's, it's got so much for it. And I'm just wondering, is, is that what it's going to take? Is it just going to be a matter of, we just have to wait for a generational shift mm-hmm. or is there a way that we can empower this, these young people to say, run for office? be on boards, uh, run for union leadership and stir the pot and just like part of my friendship, but stir shit up mm-hmm. and change stuff because it's yours for the taking. Is well, that what it's going to take? Well, first of all, mad props for mentioning Croatians first, because I'm in Hamilton because for the love of a Croatian <laughs> I married 22 years ago. <laughs> so you've got a new fan for your podcast when my husband hears <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're looking to build our, our listenership, so I had to put a low fruit, low fruit. Um, But to your point, you know, not just Hamilton on paper, but Hamilton from the sky. During the World Cycling Championships, when they were showing aerial views of our canopied city by the water and the mountain, people around the world were like, where is this beautiful place? You know? so, so what Hamilton is on paper and from the sky and from, you know, every perspective pretty much seems to be incongruous with our inability to advance ourselves, right? we have every opportunity uh, to the point that it almost becomes nauseating that we're so far behind where we should be. And so one thing that gives me a lot of hope, and I just before this podcast was uh, in a rehearsal for the um, anti-hate summit that's happening in Hamilton this week that I'll be moderating parts of. And and when I see the youth engaged in that, uh, the Hamilton leaders that are coming up, they are not going to need us to sort of empower them. They've got the power. They're ready to go. I think what they need us to do is support them to get out and vote, to say enough of this apathy, enough of this sense of it's never going to get better. So why bother? Because, you know, if I, I ever hear that, I'm like, if I felt that way, I, I would have moved. I'm not from here originally. <laughs> you know, I got options. I got clients all over the province. I wouldn't be in Hamilton if I didn't believe that the city uh, is coming into its best years. So the youth are ready to do it. All we need to do is make sure we get out the vote. We talk to our neighbors and say, no, you've got to vote. Come on. Like you, you have to, this time, don't just say it's the same old, same old. There's never going to be a difference. Let's just do it for the kids who are working their butts off to make a difference. Right? So that gives me a tremendous amount of hope. So I think our role in it is to to literally support it with what we do have a little bit older. You know, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I own a company. I can support people uh, through my voice, my platforms, my finances, uh, by getting out the vote, by breaking down some of these old narratives and trying to inspire hope in others. Uh, so they cannot get around that table unless the rest of us support them to get there. But I don't think we need to give them the impetus. We just need to make sure that they have the access, right? And that's our role. But- is this a cheeky question? What do you consider running? You know what? It's not cheeky. I, I get asked it a lot. I always have. Um, but you know what? I wouldn't. And the reason for that being is that I feel as though my my best use of my skills is how I use them now. 
you know, I've had a show for at least one show for 25 years in this community, including a lot of others. And I get to weigh in on important conversations like this at pivotal moments, right, including my advocacy I do nationally. So for me, politics has never been my ambition. Uh, I talked to Mayor Larry Diani today because I put out there, oh, no, are we going to have another LRT merry-go-round of Fred and Larry and, and Bob? And I said, they all think they are the job. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I think you feel that you can and should be the mayor. And he said, well, I do feel like I can be. Uh, and politics is a narcotic, but he said, I think we need diverse people and and younger. And I thought that was great that he said that, but he mentioned the narcotic of politics. Uh, I have always seen it as a narcotic. I know many, many people who have been addicted to it, and I don't see that as a healthy way to live my life, as long as I'm effective on the outside. You know, if it got to a point where no one was running for mayor and the city was absolutely devoid of any kind of leadership, I might try to help, but it's not my it's not my ambition. Thank you for asking, though. Um, just on, on that note, um, Roland like Ro and I are, are, are old time political hacks, and we can we can attest it's it is definitely an addiction, and I would say a borderline mental illness to always want to chime in and, and weigh in on it. Um, I, I see we are coming up on our uh, uh, on, on our on our limit here, but I wanted to just leave off the last note with you, Laura. If if the fates don't allow LRT to pass in Hamilton. And it's just, you know, it, it, we don't get past and it goes into another municipal election and it comes down to another election based on pro LRT or anti LRT. And this doesn't fail. What What's the future of the project in Hamilton? Wow, that's an excellent question. Um, so, you know, you've got the provincial election further off. You've got a potential federal election dropping this fall, right? So I never look at things in isolation. This is an investment from the current federal government. Now, I don't think by the polling that there's going to be a change of guard federally uh, at this stage. O'Toole hasn't mounted any kind of real offense or anything. But uh, so there's always that as a consideration. I think at this point, and I don't want to jinx it, um, but I, don't, I actually don't really believe in the fates. I think it's up to us to make this pass. Um, I think that uh, it is too far down the road. It is too far down the road to ever be completely killed. There are buildings going up right now um, based on this at McMaster, along the route. There has been too much investment, too much time, too much disruption. And uh, if for God's sakes, if council manages to rag the puck all the way to the election and try to make it or ask for their stupid referendum so they can abdicate their responsibilities and get reelected, whatever their plan is, I think that um, there's just been too much work done already. And so it will eventually happen. My concern is that we not waste any more of our precious time in the city on a de facto project, that we move on to the mountain of other issues like combating hate that we can be working on in alignment, like bringing in new industries you suggested in green technology. There is more to put our time to than this tired debate. And so I'm very much hoping that, um, you know, the $3.4 billion is just too big a price tag for councillors to say no to and expect to get reelected. Okay. Well, I'm going to leave it at that. And thank you very much, Laura, for coming on and, and sharing your expertise with us on this topic. I'm, unfortunately, I don't think this will be the last time we'll be talking about this. Um, uh, but, you know, hopefully uh, there'll be other issues in Hamilton that we want to uh, to bring you back for. So I hope you're, uh, you're open to coming back in the future. This is fun. I will admit to being addicted to the conversation of politics. 
Oh yeah. It, it, once, once you get started, you can't stop. It's just... <laughs> well, it's good. It's, it's the most important, you know, people watch sports. Uh, I like to think that politics is the sport that affects your life actually. <laughs> so people should be engaged. Thank you so much. Guys. Absolutely. Take care. Just before we finish today, we can make a quick shout out to some of our Patreon supporters with our thanks for their support as always, uh, without which, uh, this podcast would, uh, not be happening. So first of all, I want to thank Mike Quackenbush, Shannon Gillies, Gail Laws, Lynn Crosby, Eric, Sean Vandercleese, and Kyle Selms. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate your support. It means a huge amount to us. And uh, if anybody would like to join them, uh, make sure you check out uh, patreon.com slash the 905er. Thanks for now. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Candace Sampson, the voice behind what she said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.